Welcome into the left turn here on X106. Jacob Blair, and yes, I'm not by myself today. Trevor Mater has joined us for today's show. I'm glad he's here because just this morning, we were going to start talking about Texas, the race that the, the, the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series race from yesterday. Instead, much bigger news, really monstrous news in the world of racing is the sale of IndyCar and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway from the Holman George family to Roger Penske. And one of Penske's companies has taken over and bought IndyCar. So big news this morning, and it really sent a, a big ripple and just throughout the rest of the racing world and this is something in reading about it that i guess has kind of been in the works for a while but it's not something that i don't know that any one of us um saw happening i didn't um, i don't know if you had heard any any rumble i had i hadn't heard anything. anything and i think this sale wouldn't have gone down um had the the sellers not been confident that it would be in good hands and i think you know roger penske is shown to be one of if not the most successful businessmen in in the history of the sport and in um, america's uh, in general and a, a really really high class human being that has done wonders for the sport in tons of different facets whether it be open wheel stock car sports car um so it's in really good hands uh, really smart guys surrounded by smart people as well and um, maybe this was a bucket list thing for Roger Penske. He's 82 years old. Um, you know, he ain't going to live forever. And maybe this was something that he had been wanting to do for a long time. He has experience owning tracks. He used to own Michigan. Um, so I'm interested in, in, to see this. And I think it's a really good move. Yeah, I, I tried to – the press conference when this happened lasted forever. There was just it – was, it was good. There were so many different questions. But – I mean, I, I was 45 minutes in. I'm like, I got to go to class. I was trying to watch the whole thing and get as much information out of it as I, I could have because, like you said, maybe some really, you know, and we're not insiders in the sport yet. We like to think we are. We're not. Yeah. We, we don't have close relations with Indianapolis Motor Speedway and, and Roger Penske. We had no, I had no idea this was coming. I had. I, I was going to come on today's show, and, and when we were going to talk IndyCar, I was going to rant about James Hinchcliffe. That's still coming later. I'm still going to do that. But th- this came I, – I don't know if the racing world got together and said, hey, maybe we should get more surprise announcements and not leak stuff anymore. Because yeah, we've seen, we've seen – this is like the third or fourth one. Cause, and even the Hinchcliffe news we'll get to later, that kind of came out of nowhere. And there were some some small little inklings that maybe that that relationship was bogging down. But you you look at where everyone's at the surprise news. You texted me this morning, and and then I just read stuff on on online, and I was in shock for two hours. I didn't know what I was going to say when I came in here today because it's it's so shocking. The good thing is, I think this is great for IndyCar. And the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, if if the the Holman George family was ready to sell, or maybe it was just the right opportunity, this was the right place for it to go. Because he, the good thing is you don't send it to someone that doesn't have love and for the series and the racetrack. 
is the the good thing about Roger Penske is he's going to do everything in his power to grow both the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the Indy 500, and the IndyCar Series. He, and, and the Brickyard 400. Yeah, I mean, he said that forget today. forget about that. Yeah, that was something he was very adamant about. Um, he vehemently supports the, the Brickyard 400 going forward and um, has every intention of being able to continue that race, regardless of what you think of it. And I think um, we're going to see – I think this kind of – the, the idea of a double header speeds up now, or the momentum on, on a NASCAR IndyCar double header speeds up with a guy like Roger Penske, who has a mind like Roger Penske. Um, that I, I would be well, shocked if we don't have a double header by twenty twenty two. It twenty twenty one. You sent me yeah, that today. I think that's probably when it'll be. Ro- Roger Penske already today was like, "Well, we we had Joseph Newgarden out at the Roval. I, I think that's a, a spot. I think you'll see it more. I think you'll see it with the ovals." I, I think it's possible. Yeah, I see. I've seen some stuff where you get an expanded schedule. The racing goes a little bit further into October. Maybe you, you might see a couple ovals. Not necessarily the the high banked, high speed. You won't see Michigan back on the schedule, but you might see a couple more ovals land Darlington. on the schedule. So I think, it, I think you could see a place like Darlington, maybe Kansas, maybe. I don't think I'm we not see sure Kansas. that I'm not sure that we see a mile and a half, but. You know, somewhere like Darlington would would be a really good one. Um, you know, Richmond's coming back in twenty twenty. Um, I, I and I've said this when we talked about when the schedule released. I thought it needed it needs three more races, probably one more oval, and then find some other venues that you haven't been to before. Maybe two ovals if you can make it work. And you know, if I'll just throw this out there: the Fairground Speedway in Nashville. Yep. That that in a couple years, with if they can get everything worked out out there, they're trying to get NASCAR back. Is that, Memphis still open? Memphis is still open. I don't think the infrastructure is there. They used to go to Milwaukee. Um, same, it's the same yeah. issue there. The track still operates, but they, they've it's kind of run down, and I don't know if the the infrastructure is there to hold a, a big time sporting event anymore there. But it it, it opens up a, a lot of you know I, I think it speeds up all of these these talks I, I think it also puts pocono back on to a possible schedule to, to see a crazy weekend from pocono where they're going to run the trucks xfinity and cup series all on the same weekend with a cup double header they might just throw indycar back in that on that same weekend yeah that that would be the only thing that scares me about that possibility is um you know weather could make that a logistical nightmare but i, I think you could see somewhere like um you know a roval double header um, where you run Xfinity and IndyCar on Saturday and you run Cups on Sunday. Um, that would be, I think, probably the most likely doubleheader. You, know, you mentioned three tracks. If it was me, I would say probably ro- the Roval, Darlington, and then either they'd probably go another road course. Um, you know, I'd, Watkins Glen's not on the schedule it's anymore. Not, is it? they, they tried it. I, I think there must be some sort of issue there. Um, and but there's lots of you know road Atlanta. I mean, there's there's good road courses all throughout that um, they they could they could work out, or they could go somewhere like Mexico City, um, I, Mont- I Montreal. That could you yeah you could see most sport another Canadian race. You, you could see them move around. I think that's a, the next step. Is IndyCar used to do that all the time? Is they had races at Motiji and Japan? They go to Brazil too. They I go think. to Brazil yep. and. 
they, they had races in Mexico, and I think that that might be the next step because you still have it. And maybe look at a race in Europe. Yeah. I mean, there's some really good yes, tracks. Yes, she'll be challenging other things there, but you've got really good tracks over there, and, and it's not American. Just It's not just Americans driving these race cars. You've got drivers from, from all over the different places. But, again, Roger Penske and his company has acquired – Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the IndyCar Series, and what will take over. And it, it, based on the press conference, it the other some other stuff I, I've seen come out of this is Penske will kind of step down from operations on his IndyCar team. The team will still function in its current capacity, but he'll focus more on the series and Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And some other things that, that he said, he would discuss 24-hour race. Indianapolis Motor Speedway look at maybe how to bring Formula One back to the racetrack he said I'm basically going to walk around here and you know, nothing's out of the question and Honestly, that, to me that's I the would, right mindset to have. I would rather see a I would almost rather see like a, a road course race at Indy for NASCAR than, than the Brickyard I think you might I mean, be on to something this there. would be my my ideal weekend Probably not everybody else's. Run the Xfinity and trucks at, at Lucas Oil. Is it still Lucas Oil on Saturday night, IRP? Run those on Friday, Saturday night. Run the road course on Sunday. You, obviously, you can't do running the Xfinity and trucks on the Oval and then running your, the cup on road th- course. This might just be my mind going a little wild, but why not do something like this? Run the trucks and Xfinity at LRP on Friday, then run on the, say, the oval shorter races for the xfinity and cup series and then run a cup road course race on Sunday. yeah the only problem is is that the turnover from um you, you've got to adjust the, the racetrack but i'm pretty sure they have the people that can probably, do that i'm sure they could i mean they do it with they, they have a race on yeah the indy gp and then turn out there qualify on sunday out there practicing so I'm, pretty quick. I'm sure you could um that'd be something cool too um, if it's possible Think about maybe, yeah. Because I would still like to be just because it is NDC NASCAR run the oval, but maybe shorten that race and then run on the road course race and then run a road course race there and see what happens. But the the possibilities with this are endless. I think Roger Penske is keeping his mind open to all these different possibilities. The one concern people have thrown out there is Penske is a proponent of automatic qualifying spots for full-time competitors of the IndyCar series at the Indianapolis 500. I'm not a fan of that, but if that's the only bad thing that comes with this acquisition, it's something I can deal with. And I'm not a fan of it either, but when you look at it from the business standpoint, which is, I'm, I'm sure the way a guy like Roger Pinsky and Chip Ganassi looks at it, when you've got sponsors like Hitachi and Verizon and NTT that spend the the tons of money on these teams that they do, for them to have a chance to not be able to make the biggest race of the year definitely kind of maybe hurts their return on investment. So I understand where he's coming from. As a race fan, I'm with you. I, I don't like any sort of provisionals at all. Um, I don't care if it's NASCAR or IndyCar. If the guy's not fast enough to make show that day, too darn bad. But yeah, that's just me. And that's what happened this last year. You had a full-time team yeah. miss the show, and it, it – was a struggle now i, I think you got to be really careful where it's only for full-time teams being the cars they put on track full-time so if you're say penske or 
your McLaren this, this next year or Andretti, your extra cars you bring aren't locked in. Yeah. And then you, and then that's where it, this gets tricky is because those extra cars Andretti brings or Penske brings. So basically I'm saying Elio Castroneves, you, you look at, okay, look at Penske. New Garden, Pagano, Power, locked into the 500 next year no matter what happens. And we've seen with James Hinchcliffe this last year, you can wreck on that first run and then you're scrambling to make the show the next day. And they maybe, would be locked in. Castro Nevis would not and, be. And maybe do some where you lock in the, the top 10 in driver's points or something. I think that's um, that's That's closer. probably the way to go because you don't want the Indy 500 to ruin a guy's championship. You know, say Simon Pagano has troubles in qualifying well, and he doesn't make the show. That's probably more of a problem. Um, you know, but it's go top 10, go top 12, well, go whatever. To where there's still plenty enough at large spots so you can get these smaller teams um, – like uh, uh, is it Hunkos um, that fielded a car just for the Indy 500? Well, and you're looking at more. You got to be careful with the, the bids too, and that's where like maybe just lock in the top ten in points, something like that. If you want to give some security, because Indy doesn't care. We we talked about we've talked about that before. That racetrack doesn't care who you are. It will get out there and bite anybody. It gets in a situation where you don't want to lock in, say, because the, the field's expanding. Ganassi's going three cars, still waiting to see. Meyer Shank Racing wanted to, to think about full-time. With, with the Schmidt-Peterson, their alliance going away, still waiting on where that stands. But Dragon Speed, they're expanding races. They could be full-time in a few years. Hunkos is trying to go full-time. They, they struggled with that. You, you look at now... And this is where we can kind of jump into the James Hinchcliffe information. He's looking for a ride. Someone's going to have to come up with a third car for him if he's going to be full-time for, for one of these other teams. So you're, you're looking at a situation where within the next one or two years, you might have 25, 26 full-time well, cars. And if, if we locked in every car that was entered in every race this year, you know whether it was a handful of different drivers, it would be, I think, 21 20. cars is what I counted. So, um, and, and, so then say you've got... Is it normally thirty three? They 33 start. So you got twelve guy. You got twelve open spots. The the issue I have with that is you have teams like Penske, like Andretti, Ed Carpenter Racing, who's always fast at Indy. They are bringing fast mm-hmm. race cars to the racetrack. McLaren SPM is going to do the same thing this year. They're going to bring fast cars to the racetrack. And then, no offense to some of the the lower full time teams, your field is not the fastest thirty three. That's been the allure of racing is your field's no longer the fastest 33 because you had full-time teams carlin being one of them this year not make the indy 500 so instead you're going to move a driver that made the field on speed and that that is the one thing that drives me up a wall when it comes to racing and was when a car qualifies in the top 33 or for for instance this it could be the top 24 it could be the top 40 however many cars start the field they qualify fast enough but because provisionals are given they don't get in so yeah, you, you get you get in the way, the way with you get in the way with tradition there where you have okay do we start 35 because we need the fastest 33 cars they tried that before at indy this has been done before at indy this isn't the first go around with locked in rides and then we ended up with a weird race where i think i don't remember what year it was but it was during the split in the late 90s they started 35 cars then you start messing with tradition it, it's a it's a weird argument i get 100 percent the business side of why the argument's there but on the racing side of it it's tough to handle now we can get into i, I said i wanted to rant earlier 
I think I, I think we can do that now. You want to hear me rant, Trevor? Sure. Okay. So James Hinchcliffe with Arrow, or what is it now? McLaren Arrow Schmidt Peterson, Schmidt, whatever yeah, it's it a is. Mouthful. The McLaren Arrow Schmidt Peterson Motorsports conglomerate, however they want to call themselves. We're in a, a debacle because James Hinchcliffe had, was on contract. The good thing for them is Marcus Erickson was not, and he went off and signed with Ganassi. Good for, for that team for giving him a ride. I think he deserved that. James Hinchcliffe was under contract for another year. The debacle between that is he's a Honda driver. He's also on a Honda contract. Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports in its old form was a Honda team. McLaren is not. They will run Chevy engines. So there's a conflict of interest there. But with, with all the rides filling up, McLaren and Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports said, we will honor your contract if you want to use it. Now, everything seemed fine. Like Hinchcliffe would be one of the cars, one of the drivers in one of the two McLaren full-time rides for next year. Then last Monday... After our show, because it seems thankfully the indie news came out before our show, because normally everything comes out like either an hour or, or yeah. a day later, and then we got to wait to talk about it. But came out that Hinchcliffe would not be driving the McLaren car, and that would be if you haven't heard of these names, don't feel bad because you have to be you have to watch a lot of racing to know where these two drivers came from and their stories. But Pato Award who ran some IndyCar races last year, but then Red Bull, the Red Bull development team for Formula One scooped him up, raced him a couple races, and then dumped him off that contract. He was available, and then the Indy Lights champion, Oliver Askew, will be the two drivers in the McLaren ride next year. That's all fine, except for the fact that it's business. Hinchcliffe out, I understand that. Except for the fact that it is now November, and you had told James Hinchcliffe he had a ride for next year. This is like some Joe Gibbs type stuff. The, the issue I have with this is now you put James Hinchcliffe in a situation where, one, it's your most popular driver in the series. I know his numbers haven't been there the last couple of years, but he is your most popular driver in the series. He, he's a good spokesperson for the series. And now that driver is sitting without a ride for next year. And if you look around the rest of the garage, he's still under that Honda contract. There's no cars left for him to get in. I I have read some stuff um, that, you know, a couple owners, Chip Ganassi, Bobby Rahal, Dale Coyne, would be interested if the sponsorship is there. But that's that, a whole other hurdle. That's, and that, that's where I am. That, that's the problem. If, if when this news came down, with when McLaren decided we're going to buy Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports, and I know they said they were going to work together. No, this is a McLaren team. They made that obvious with this announcement. Tell James Hinchcliffe he's not going to be there three months ago. Don't wait until now because Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan, they were thinking about a third car. They pulled those efforts back because they didn't think it was feasible. You, you, you said the, 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 there, there's, no, there's no rides available. Dale Coyne, I don't think they're fully certain for next year who will be in those cars, but it's probably going to be Sebastian Bourdais and Santino Ferrucci. Ed Carpenter Racing, there's still a spot there, possibly. Meyer Shank, there's a possible spot. Carlin, still open as well. Issue with that, those are all Chevys. You look on the Honda side, there are no cars. 
think AJ Foyt was another team where there's still some availability. But Chevy, they've, they've got to have sponsorship too. I mean, but they're ABC waiting. Left yeah, them. They, there's so the one good thing for James Hinchcliffe is he's personable enough. I think he can get the sponsorship, but can he get it soon enough? For a team to put together a three-car effort when they're not used to it. Because for him to be in the series full-time next year, that's what it's going to take. I like the part where, as of the moment, he's still under contract. And he's required to be with the team on race weekends and make sponsor appearances. But he doesn't have a car or James, a sponsor. don't show up. This is, like, like I said, this is some like Joe Gibbs or Jack well, Roush level like, stuff. And, and if he doesn't have right next year, they still have to pay him. Yeah. They'll get paid this next whole year. This thing makes no sense to me whatsoever. I, I'm well, with it, you. If, if you knew all along that was going to be your plan in September or whenever, let them know so we can go. Let them know so you know. You know, you go to NASCAR. You know the way LFR handled the whole Matt DiBenedetto thing. You know, as disappointed as people might not like it, gave him an opportunity they gave to him go a get great another opportunity ride. to go get a new ride. They did it in August instead of waiting till November or December. Um, other people in the past, such as you know Joe Here, Gibbs. Formula One is where McLaren lives. This is some Formula One level yeah. business right here, and I don't want to see it over on this shady. side. Because um, you know a guy like AJ Foyt's got to be like, man, what the heck is this crap? <laughs> I mean, you know, or even Penske, you know, he, guys like that that have been around the sport forever. That you know, you go back 30, 40 years ago, contracts were handshakes. <laughs> and now this is the stuff that, that it's come to, and it's it, sad. It just made me mad. And like I, I said, I understand that it's the decision McLaren wanted to make. I don't know if I wouldn't have kept someone that you know has been in the series for a while and not get two kids. I, I think you got a lot of speed in those two kids, but they're kids, and they're like literally kids. Yeah, we're not. They're like nineteen with Pedro or like twenty, 20 and maybe all the rescues like. 19 or 20 they're kids yeah they're younger than us yeah and i understand they're talented i understand their off speed is there sometimes having a guy like james hinchcliffe just to keep a new operation with good information rescue is older than you good he's younger than me but he's older than you but would you still consider me a kid right i still he's 20 Two years old, 23 years old, he's never ran an Indy car in his life. He had a really successful year in the Indy Light Series. But still, you have a veteran like James Hinchcliffe that, that could help along the way. I, I think, as mad as it makes me, I think James Hinchcliffe finds a ride for next year, and I think it's a three third car operation at Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan. I think you're probably right. If, if Hinchcliffe is full-time next year, that's where you see him. And if not, for sure... You'll see him at the Indy 500 in that third Ray Hull Letterman Lanigan car. You'll get him once, and they'll probably bring that car out for the NGGP as well. Could always do TV. He's under contract, though, as you just mentioned. That, but he would already be at the track, though, right, for right. Well, because they said he's free to pursue other opportunities. They told they, they're part of this too is they said Robert Wickens is still there as well, and they'll have a ride waiting for him when he gets ready. I'm Robert Wickens. I don't know if I trust that. Yeah, I. Yeah, no, I don't think I would. It's. I didn't like the news, as, as I can. You can probably hear. I'm not not real pleased with it. They're, they're, I understand the business. I understand getting rid of a driver. A little courtesy goes a long way, and especially when it involves someone 
with the popularity level of James Hinchcliffe, it, it's not not good for the series. So, IndyCar news for the day supposed to last, you know, just me ranting for seven eight minutes. Instead, you know, IndyCar took sold up, took up half the show. Yeah, IndyCar sold. Had to talk about that. We're gonna take a break here. Good We're gonna transition. Yeah. We're going to take a break. We're going to transition. We're going to go to NASCAR, talk about the playoffs, as Texas might need to be repaved again. They might need to do some work on that racetrack. We'll tell you why when we get back on the left turn. Welcome back to the left turn here on X106. Jacob Blair, Trevor Mader with you as we now turn and we'll change and transition into NASCAR as they are winding down the season. The playoffs continue the second race in the round of eight for the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series, as well as the second race in the round of eight for the NASCAR Xfinity Series. The trucks were off this weekend, but I think if we learned anything this weekend is Texas might want to think about reconfiguring the racetrack again. Yeah, this is about as bad as Atlanta was 10, 12, 15 years ago. It's, it was not good. It... See, in, in Kansas Speedway, I'll go back to the, the repay from Kansas Speedway. One or two races, it was bad. It was a, a wreck fest. You couldn't really race. It was bad. But I, I don't know. I mean, they're trying. The good thing is they're trying. But Texas right now needs help. Because, I mean, the first the first stage of the race, you, you were just sitting there and you're the like... PJ1 is supposed to keep you from crashing. And it was causing crashes. It was causing crashes. And and the the issue with it is it was un, it seemed unpredictable. I, I I don't know for sure if the drivers felt that way, but watching it seemed unpredictable. It seemed like you could run up there, you could get speed up there. You saw the first line in the PJ one for the first time we saw Texas actually have since the repave have a second groove that worked. You just better not go, uh, you know. 16th of an inch above that groove or you'll end up in the wall which we saw over and over and over again in that first stage caught out driver after driver after driver didn't matter who it was whether it was someone that, that's used to running in the 30th plus Corey position LaJoy. Corey lajoy it was david reagan and garrett smithley at a, a big crash or if it was championship contenders being chase elliott denny hamlin or, or seasoned veterans, Jimmy Johnson got caught out as well. And it, it was just a, a racetrack that it hasn't... Kyle Larson said in one of his in- interviews, if this racetrack will ever age and widen out, it, it just it, it, it's a struggle right now. And, it, and the, the one thing is being a racer, every one of them had to deal with the same racetrack. Good portion of the field didn't hit the wall. It's on the drivers out there to not hit the wall, but when the discussion after the race is about the racetrack and the and, and the drivers just had to race the racetrack, that's all they could do all day long is they were worried about the racetrack and not not so not so much worried about each other. You end up with a a weird race where no one could seem to hang on to their race cars, and then as the field kind of you know, dropped out. There was some attrition, and then it it strung out a little bit because cars were damaged, couldn't keep pace. The the, the competitive field shrunk. Then you just got long green flag runs where Kevin Harvick dominated. If we would have seen in stage one what we saw in stage three, I think maybe our our perception of this race would have been a little different because you would have had a lot more late race cautions. 
championship guys getting put in bad situations late in the race. I think maybe we wouldn't look at it the way we did, but it happened the way it did, so we look at it the way it did. Stage one, I found it inter- as awful as the racetrack was, and it was god-awful. I found it entertaining. Um, and as a race fan, that's what you hope for is entertaining. Then stages two and three weren't really all that entertaining. And I don't I don't know if everyone just kind of figured out what what the racetrack was giving them or more so some drivers just were confused all race long because that it was confusing to me normally i can you know i'm not a nascar driver but you you can sit there and you can watch the race and and if you've been behind the wheel before you can kind of understand what 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 a driver could be thinking there were there were some that it just the the at least the first stage for sure it was confusing because I go back to the the Brad Keselowski, Ricky Stenhouse wreck. Keselowski gets loose, starts wrecking. Stenhouse got off the throttle to make sure to miss that, and then his car was gone. He, he unloaded the back end a little bit with the weight getting on the getting off the gas. The weight shifted, and into the wall he goes because the the track just took him. That was he was the gone. Most Ricky Stenhouse wreck ever. <laughs> I mean. A guy is oh. wrecking, and he wrecks into the guy that's wrecking. And it, and and like nothing, you said, it, it had wasn't, nothing to do with the guy wrecking. It wasn't even really his fault. It just he had we couldn't do anything. It, it, like I said, when the track, everyone has to race on the same racetrack. But when the track becomes the discussion because it is taking race cars out, you you, you get in a situation where it's not what you want to talk about. You want to talk about racers racing each other, not racing the racetrack. Yes, challenging racetracks are good. I love challenging racetracks. I don't know if Texas, I think if it ever can widen out age a little bit, it's going to be a great challenging racetrack. It just, it needs to hurry up and do so. Doesn't need two races. No. (laughs) Honestly, I I think, and maybe I'm biased, and I've said this before, the only mile-and-a-half track that I think warrants two races is Kansas, and you could make an argument that Kansas doesn't need two races. It, It wouldn't... You know, if you replaced just, it with the right thing, it wouldn't get an argument I, out of me. Maybe my disdain for the race on Sunday was the fact that it's a race with three to go, and that's the racetrack they get to race on. Yeah. I understand repaves, they're going to have to happen. Eventually, at some point, Atlanta's going to have to be repaved. You can't run on that, that, that track forever. It's going to have to be repaved. <clears throat> But as we saw with Kansas, a couple races, it was bad. I was at the first race of the repave. It was laughable because what year of how. Was that? I can't remember. Is it 2012? That sounds about right. The first race there, it was bad. It, it got laughable because you'd get on a restart. I, I was sitting up in turn four, and you're like, and I was with my dad. You would, on the restart, I look at my dad going in turn four. I'm like, there's your wreck right there. And then sure enough, I, I think I can. 100% remember at one point I said Ryan Newman's going to wreck based on the position going into turn three of that first race of the repave, and it happened. Well, guess what we get for a round of eight next year? Kansas, Texas, Martinsville. I mean, that'll be fun. I just hope Texas is widened out by then. Yeah. Do you think maybe a softer tire would help the racing at Texas? I don't know if anything will help right now until that track gets some grip. I, I don't know what it is about that racetrack where – if you're not on the bottom, there is no grip. And 
it was. I think the issue with the PJ one is it was a little bit cold. Started during so the day. It, it finished took, at night. It took a little bit to get it activated. So they got that second groove. They got some rubber laid down, and that's where I said it. At least it widened out that much. That was that was the one positive. By the end of the race, they could run the second groove. But you got above that, and you were gone. I mean, you were just gone. There was nothing you could do about it. And other than that, some other stuff happened. Uh, there, there was a controversy with Bubba Wallace. Yeah, I was hoping we'd get to that. <laughs> I, I, I the, Kevin Harvick. Well, before we get to that, let's, let's let's make sure everyone knows Kevin Harvick won the race, locks himself into the championship four. Eric Almirola finished second. Daniel Suarez. He ends up in the third position. Joey Logano, fourth. Alex Bowman, fifth. Martin Trix Jr., sixth. Kyle Busch, seventh. Ryan Blaney, eighth. Kurt Busch, ninth. Eric Jones, tenth. Your other playoff drivers. Kyle Larson in twelfth. Denny Hamlin salvaged, well, I don't know if salvaged is the right word, got a 28th after wrecking. Or we didn't wreck. He spun, and then the, the grass monster got him. And then Chase Elliott finished in the 32nd position. So when you look at the point standings right now, Martin Trix Jr., Kevin Harvick, they are two of your drivers in the championship four. They are two, two drivers that have been through this format and have won a championship. Look at the rest of the standings. Kyle Busch, plus 22. Joey Logano, plus 20. Denny Hamlin, he is now 20 below the cut line. Ryan Blaney, 23 below the cut line. Kyle Larson, 23 below. And then Chase Elliott is in a 100% yeah, must-win situation. The other, the other three guys aren't in must-wins. Um, they're pretty much in the same situation Chase Elliott came into at Kansas, Kansas. where you, you get enough stage points and stuff throughout the day, somebody doesn't run great, and you can get your win. But Chase Elliott's got to go out. Yeah, he's he's a good old 78 below yeah. the cut line. So Chase Elliott, you better is, win. This is going to be interesting to watch. Because he's had fast cars. I mean, you go back to Martinsville, he had a fast car until he didn't. For for Chase Elliott to advance to the championship four, it'll be the most uh, this year. But, it would it would just put an exclamation point on the way his playoffs but look, have gone. But that's the thing. You look at the playoffs. You go the round of sixteen. He has the fastest car at the Roval. Puts it in the wall, head on, wins the race. Um, you go to the round of twelve. Everyone's saying, "Oh, he's got to win. He's got to win. He's got to win." Barely sneaks in. I said at the beginning of I think the round of eight that he was playing with house money. <laughs> he's <laughs> He's um, the deck stacked against him right now. Um, but I think, honestly, if Chase Elliott wins and gets into the championship for it, that's your champion for, for 2019. It, it has to be at that point. I'm not. We'll get to this later. I don't think he gets in. But if he does, I think yeah, that's your. I, I, don't, I don't think he does either. But this race, I think Kevin Harvick was going to win it no matter what. But Kyle Larson, a 12th place finish, was not happy with Bubba Wallace. And yeah. Bubba Wallace, late in the race, final green flag. Uh, set of green flag pit stops for the race. Everyone's last pit stop has a flat tire, half spins into turn one, recollects the race car, and then a judgment call, we, we can argue about this, spun after going slow on the apron, spun the car out, caution comes out, and it, it catches people out during the, the green flag pit cycle. It, it hurts Kyle Larson. Larson was not happy about it. it, it, it no one really talked about this, but Joey Logano, he did this a week ago. Yeah, I was I was just going to bring that up. So it's, it, I don't. I mean, we're not in the cars. We don't know how how it's handling. Um, you I, know, and when you're cut, I mean, you can attest when you have a flat tire. It's not 
not easy to handle necessarily. It it's not. I, I've had I mean, so so we don't know. I, I mean, I've had flat tires before. And in, the in caution my race was car. probably going to come out for the debris that was getting thrown all over the place, anyways. If he doesn't spin out, well, and and here's here's the situation. Regardless of whether you can be mad whether he did it intentionally or not, I don't think we should sit here and argue about that because we don't know for sure. It looked intentional, but I've, I've been in cars with flat tires. They're hard to drive, especially if they get down to the rim. And so it looked intentional, but but here's the thing with that. He did it. He spun. The caution came out. Whether or not NASCAR decides to decide, would have decided to have penalized Wallace or not, that doesn't help the situation with Larson and others. So I, I guess the, the concern there is, you know, respect for the rest of the race but at that point Bubba's trying to save his race if he did it on purpose it's because he knows he needs a caution to save his race yeah go to go to a local dirt track you'll see a driver feature do something like that let's not pretend this is the first time no I mean you mentioned Joe Logano last week um you know the famous incident with, with Michael Waltrip racing back in Richmond in 2013 I think Dale Jr. did it at Bristol. People one have time. brought up they think Kevin Harvick oh, caused the caution oh, you, on purpose. You watched that video at Talladega, and I think it was 2015. He won 100 because his motor was broke. There was a gear or something that had broken. He was going to blow up. And they go to the green white checker, and he gets out of the lane. I think it was poor Trevor Bain came, and Harvick just kind of came up and yep. took him out. And Harvick made the round of eight by like one point. It, I mean, this this isn't anything that is a stranger to NASCAR. It, it's essentially drivers getting the better of the system, and it is a judgment call. NASCAR didn't make it, but here's here's my point: is doesn't matter what NASCAR do does. Post the caution came out. At that point, you can be mad at Bubba. You can't be be mad at NASCAR. They if if Bubba spins, regardless of what happened, caution has to come out. And there's, there, it's not to say that we don't know if he would have kept going. Would there have been debris? The caution was probably used to, probably going to come out anyways. So it came out. You got to deal with it. It ended up hurting Kyle Larson. But again, Kevin Harvick picks up the win from Texas. It was a interesting first part of the race. No one could really figure out how to drive a race car. And then the second half, they got it figured out, and it was fairly – well, it was dominated by Kevin Harvick. He led 119 Stuart laps. Haas in general. Eric Almarola, 62 laps. Daniel Suarez trying to be one of the last drivers yet to, to sign a deal. Put in a, a good effort, leading 25, finishing third. I think some other news. Kurt Busch got his deal re-signed. A, I think was a two-year deal, is I think what they said there. So Kurt Busch back in the one car for a couple years. I think what we're waiting on is the 41. Also, there is going to, you mentioned Stuart Haas Racing, there is going to be a technical alliance between Go Fast Racing and Stuart Haas. Still not 100% sure what, what that entails. I, I think what that could entail is the contract. There, there's some there's some Cole Custer stuff going on in that organization right now, trying to figure out how to get him into a cup car next year. Yeah. I mean, that's. And keep Daniel Suarez under contract. Yes. that That is what that is. Yeah. So that that's us interpreting information. That was not any sort of factual information, but I, I think. And you know who actually had be. a, you know, we mentioned open rides and stuff. You know who actually had a surprisingly good run yesterday? 
John Hunter Nemechek in that 36 car, um, stepping in for Matt Tiff to his sideline thrust season with some medical issues. Um, finished, I think, 19th or 20th. Was on the lead, first. Was on the lead lap all day. Um, that's a guy that I think I've heard rumors that he was kind of on their radar for a third-time cup car anyways in 2020. I think Daniel Hemrick and Hunter Nemechek were the two that, that were floated LeJoy. around. Corey LeJoy, yeah, those if he gets jumped from the 32, which right now seems like a possibility. Uh, you, but not a whole lot to talk from Texas. No. Other than they might just need to fix the racetrack. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah, just chop it up, redo it, and hope it it's better this next time around. Which, if it, if it trends the way it's going, they're going to have to do that at some point. Because Also, I'd like to point if you're one of those people complaining that NASCAR scheduled the cup race on the same date as Formula One, you're an idiot. Um, because, for one, NASCAR sets their schedule a year and a half in advance. Um, I think it was Bob Pockers tweeted that NASCAR had set their date four or five months before Formula One set their date for Coda. So, for one, that's that's not on NASCAR. You can't blame them for that. Two, it's always been the same weekend. And three, if you're choosing a Formula One race where five guys, I think, finish on the lead lap and fourth was 70 seconds behind over this race, even though it wasn't great, that's a whole other problem in itself. That's on you. Yeah, Formula One's not putting a good product on the racetrack yeah, so right let's, now. Let's not pretend. A lot of these people, I'm just guessing, that went to the Formula One race – live in the austin area well you also get they, one chance to see formula one all right. year you get multiple with the cup series so there there's that argument but i still i would have gone i would have gone to the cup race over formula one like Maybe. here's our formula one content for the day lewis hamilton's your yeah. champion three years in a row i already forgot the guy's name who won the race um because i don't care <laughs> it's formula one and it's not good there's also an xfinity race it was good it was in all right Texas. a little bit better than the cup race yeah, the playoff guys tried to eliminate themselves, and and one well, one had such a big playoff buffer, he you know hit the wall. Tyler Reddick destroyed a race car. And he's still like and plus thirty six. He's fine. Yeah. he's in he's in good shape. Um, Chase Briscoe had exactly what he couldn't afford to have happen. Um, didn't have a good day. Christopher Bell had the fastest car all day and was able to get the win. And it it was one another one of those days where the guys you expected to dominate did. Ross Chastain had a good car. Cinder had a decent car, um, but it was yeah, it was the big three really. No, Christopher Bell he ended up with the win, leading 101 laps. Ross Chastain second, leading 29. Austin Cindric led 38 to a third place finish. Brandon Jones, who is going to return to that 19 and car he's next season, starting to look fast. He I is. mean, he's had speed all year, but he's starting to put, put it together. Yeah. Yeah. That could be a sneaky guy in 2020. John Hunter Nemechek. Finished in the fifth position, Justin Allgaier in the sixth spot, Harrison Burton seventh, Cole Custer eighth, Jeb Burton ninth, Ryan Sieg tenth, your other playoff, and, playoff drivers, Mike Lynette eleventh, Chase Briscoe 22nd, Tyler Reddick 29th, and then Noah Gragson in the 30th spot. Harrison Burton had, a, I think, a top five capable car. Had something on pit road, I, I can't remember what it was, um, some sort of violation on pit road that kind of put him behind. That's a guy that just hasn't been able to catch any breaks. It, that was kind of the same way with Brandon Jones, yep. and Brandon Jones got it figured out. Honestly, I think Harrison well, Burton. We, we've talked about Harrison Burton. Has, is Same thing on the truck side, can't catch a break, but he's shown better speed on and, the Xfinity side. You know, side. Kyle Busch can say what he wants, but Harrison Burton's ran better in the Xfinity series than he has in the truck series, so there's that. I think Harrison Burton will be really successful in 2020. I think we can see him in victory lane next year. Um, I think he's incredibly talented, and he's only 19. I mean, I think now the problem is is – 
we're so quick to, to jump on these kids and say, like a Todd Gillen to Harrison Burton, they've never won anything. These are 19, 20, 21-year-old kids. You know, you, Some of them might need some more time. We've seen that in the Cup Series. Look, you could go back. Joey Logano. Yeah. It's the 100% best example. He was about ready to get kicked out of the Cup Series yeah. and then figured it out. Yeah. And you look at him now, and he's still young. He's 29. There's a lot of time left for Joey Logano yeah. to put together a, a really good career if he doesn't. No, he's already if he he's already if a he Hall of Famer. Get, yeah. If Joey Logano retired today, he'd be a Hall of Famer. If, I mean, well, he's still got the potential to be I, if, one of the greats if of all I, time. Joey, I stay away from Tony Stewart for a while. Yeah, I don't. Did you did you hear did. Stewart's comments? See, I, okay, so <laughs> my thing with Tony Stewart is, you know, you never really actually saw Tony Stewart fight people when just he talked was, about it a lot. He just talked about it a lot. Um, and maybe it's just he's, he he did have a point though. F- he had a hundred percent point. Where if you're gonna fight, like let's let let's fight. Let's not just have these hold me back, this hold me back stuff. Yeah. Either do it or just stop. One of the two. Be a bad role model. If you're gonna be a bad role model, just just go hundred percent all the way. Let's not pretend these guys are great fighters because the last no. time we saw people actually try to fight, it was John West Townley and Spencer Gallagher having a wrestling match in, on the track at Gateway. Um, so we don't we don't want to like we want to see these dudes fight, but we you don't, don't what, really you don't, you don't count Clint Boyer and Ryan Newman. No, because that wasn't really a fair fight. Because Newman didn't get the chance to. Did I, Newman I, need to get out of his car for that though? I think for Boyer's sake, it's a good thing he didn't. Um, but, I mean, we want to see them fight, but at the same time, we don't want to see them fight because most I, of these guys, you know, Tony Stewart's the one, the, maybe the lone example. I mean, he's a big dude. He's smaller than he was, but he's still a big dude. You know, we, we ran into Tyler Reddick and Cole Custer at Kansas you know, on Friday before I fall on Saturday. Both those guys are like 5'7", a buck 50. I mean, they're not – I mean, they're, they're, they're in great shape, but they're not fighters. Here's my thing. I don't want to see – Drivers fight. I, I, I don't think it, it's necessary. I, I'm, I think rivalries, guys getting mad at each other is good, but these scuffles on pit road are, are a little bit I – I, I, I don't think they're necessary. But if you're going to do it, if it's going to be on national television, just let the drivers take care of it. I will say if you're going to do it, do it with fists and not race cars. Um, I, I don't want to see guys going out there and junking each other's stuff because the guys that drive these cars don't work on them and the guys that work on the cars don't drive them. There's a lot of people at Penske and, and Gibbs and RCR and Stuart Haas that, that bust their butts off to get the cars to the track. And um, for you to go out there and, and retaliate is just kind of a disrespect to them. So we just went off on about four different tangents. Yeah. We're gonna reel we can back go in. off on some more. We're going we're gonna, to, well, we're, we're going to go off on another one. I'm going to make sure to get the Xfinity standings in here real okay. quick. Christopher Bell, he'll be in your championship race at Homestead after Shocker. the win at Texas. No one won from the, the playoffs, one at Kansas, so still three spots left on points, only one automatic bid left in. Cole Custer, he's 52 above the cut line. So he's... He's in pretty yeah, much. Cole Custer it would take a, an early race wreck. Tyler and, so. Reddick, thirty six above the cut line after crashing out. So, He's, if you, if you want to know about the domination of the big three in the Xfinity series, there's there's a prime example. Justin Allgaier, eighteen above the cut line. Chase Briscoe, Chase Briscoe, eighteen below. Michael Annette, twenty eight, and I, I think Annette is in a, a tough situation because he hasn't shown the speed 
to win races this year, and he's going to kind of need to be in a position to do so. Same for Austin Cindric, 31, and the Noah Gragson, 47. Cindric has shown speed. He just can't put a whole race together. And then, I think Cindric's got a chance this weekend. I, I, I don't, really do. And then Gragson, I, I don't think he's... He hasn't shown enough speed. Or, to, to win a race. So he, I think to me, it's, it's Allgaier, Briscoe, and Cindric's the wild card. And I think... If you're Briscoe or Cindric, it's going to have to be a win because mm-hmm. Allgaier, if he doesn't win, he's going to run well enough at Phoenix to do it on points. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. So gets interesting as we head to Phoenix. We'll go off on one of those tangents real quick. Some other news in a monster news day. It was a, it was a fun day of, of all these different things dropping. Kyle Busch is going to run the yes, 24 hours. I was going to get to that earlier. Um, yeah, he's the only one of the JGR guys, to my knowledge, that's going to do it. Um, Martin- Still early. Well, Martin Truex Jr. has blatantly said he has no interest in doing it, and um, Denny Hamlin's going to undergo off-season surgery as soon as the season is over, um, which brings me to another tangent. <laughs> Denny Hamlin is racing with a torn labrum. I've never torn a labrum, but I know people that have, and I've heard it freaking hurts. And uh, he's been racing with it for a while well, now. Kyle Larson's been racing with, with a, a rib injury. So. You know, so all these people that that don't think these guys are tough or, or athletic. Um, imagine driving at 180 miles an hour for three hours in hot conditions with a torn labrum or cracked ribs or Richard Petty drove with a broken neck. <laughs> I mean, yeah, these, these guys, I mean, Dale Earnhardt drove yeah. with, you know, a broken sternum and I mean, Dale Jr. went through tons of concussions. Let's not pretend these guys aren't, Aren't at risk of getting injured. Going back to the Kyle Busch news with the 24 hours, is he's going to drive a GTD, which is a the, the slowest car of the four classes that will be on the racetrack. And there was some some fun being poked at Kyle Busch that he's going to be in the way. He'll be he'll be he's in a good car for that class, but he's going to be in the way. And, and basically said this is going to be a good opportunity for me to be in some of these other Cup drivers' shoes. That now all we need is for Garrett Smithley to sign with like one of the big teams with, the pro, the, with one of the prototypes. Yeah, one of the, I couldn't think of the name. Some of the prototype teams. Let's let's do that. How do we get Garrett Smithley <laughs> in the you know or Josh Balicki or or one of those guys um, into one of the prototypes at well, Daytona? There's going to be some Cup drivers in those prototypes. There always are a yeah. couple. Kyle Larson's Jamie driven McMurray them before. Used to do it, I think. So it's not out of the question, but Kyle Busch getting past at high speeds when he's much slower having to watch out for mirrors and let's let's do you think he'll scream at his crew the way he does on the nascar i, I don't know i i don't know if the I, I don't know if that flies over there do you think he cares if it flies he does not because i don't think he does he, he will be i don't know if he will have the authority over there to have that ability because it, he's it's going to be a, a learning process going to be a it's it's different it's a different form of racing different type of car he's going to have to learn everything the other thing is is yes they have spotters but they aren't really as helpful on a road course it's more about using your mirrors and and being more uh, understanding better where everyone is on the racetrack so that's in january long way to get there we've got a couple races left on the nascar schedule we got to get the rest of the drivers to the championship race and then we got to crown some champions next week i think trevor will be here i told him he needs to be our second annual two-hour championship special should be here 
It'll be from two to four. I I will be here. Be two to four next week. Championship special. We got to get there first. We got to find the drivers we're going to talk about for next week. We got to race three different series racing at Phoenix. We're going to start with the truck series. Before we do so, I want to talk about the left turn point standings. Yeah, this. let's do that. <laughs> let's talk about them, please. After the last week, I picked up the win with Christopher Bell. I picked him in the Xfinity series. Trevor picked Cole Custer. Bad thing is on the cup side, I picked Denny Hamlin. Did not get a lot of points there. I was Trevor. I points was, I was hoping for the grass monster when he started sliding through See, the You want to go off on another tangent? Is it time for turf real quick? Yes. Okay. Time for turf. Get it I, on I know. I know there's people that said, well, that's just a part of racing. Right. And I'm fu- but I mean you slide through the grass and it ruined his day. Um I think it was Dale Jr. three or four years ago at, at Texas. Didn't even slide through the grass, just went through the grass to avoid a wreck and created the wreck by going through the grass because it tore up his car. So yes, it's time to gear to the grass monster and go with the turf monster. Okay. So after the seventh tangent of the day, the left turn point standings, Trevor holds a two thousand four hundred and forty five five minutes to get to three more tangents. Two thousand three hundred and thirty one points. He's up a hundred and fourteen points on me. Do the math. He gains four points this week. He will lock up the left yeah. turn championship. It's a nervous week for me. Cause you're in the situation where you might as well just throw throw darts and, and hope it's that something what I'm sticks. doing. I mean, you um, know my picks this Yeah, I mean, you can gamble. I'm in that where I don't really want to gamble because I don't want to lose a ton of points. I've got to get enough Here, cushion. Here's here's what I'm doing this week. I'm trying to preserve my winner's points lead. I'm up 34-24, so I've been better at picking winners. I just have had a lot more DNFs this season. So I'm just hoping to not have DNFs. And then, but really, you look at the guys I picked this week, and they're like walking DNFs. <laughs> they're going to they're, <laughs> they're win or wreck. So, the so tru- I mean, whatever. So the truck series, they will race Friday night in Lucas Oil 150 at ISM Raceway, Phoenix. And you look at the point standings, they come into this one. No driver has locked themselves into the championship four. So three drivers at least. Well, three drivers well, are going to lock in Brett on points. Moffitt's- Brett Moffitt, he's 45 above the cut line. Probably will see him at Homestead. Stuart Friesen, 35 above the cut line. Ross Chastain, 20 above the cut line. Austin Hill, 9 above the cut line. Matt Craft, 9 below. Tyler Ankrum, 15 below. Trevor, any of the playoff drivers win in this race? Yes. Well, who? Who? Yes, of course. Ross Chastain, um, he's, he's been fast lately. He's either going to win or end up in the fence. Um, but I'm hoping that he might do both. If there's a guy that's going to find a way to do both, it's him or Ricky Stenhouse. And I'm going to say Ross Chastain wins it. I am not picking a playoff driver. All four championship four drivers will point their way in this in this round because the driver of the 51 this week is the young Chandler Smith. I've heard he's good. He's fast. He's good. Now he's angry because in the short track world at the All-American 400, he should have won that race. Lap car gets in the way it's a whole we don't have time to get into that because i could talk that about would that have been tangent number eight right there well, we already just you can yeah. almost count it as tangent number eight but i'm picking chandler smith to win the truck race cool on the xfinity side they will run the desert diamond west valley casino 200 be a 2:30 start time on saturday on nbc trevor are you picking for this one we've got 114 point lead i should play it safe Every time I pick Christopher Bell, either wins or wrecks, so I'm picking Christopher Bell because why not? I'm picking a driver that's really good at Homestead. And like Trevor said, I kind of need to throw darts. This driver doesn't have a win you mean this Phoenix? Season. Really good at Phoenix? That. What'd I say? Homestead. 
Bell Bell he, was really good. Gonna, at, this driver's going to win and get to Homestead yeah. because he's really good at Phoenix. You said throw darts. This driver doesn't have a win this year. Justin Allgaier will win at ISM. Yeah, and Bell's really good at Phoenix. They've got nothing to lose, and, and there's really nothing they can use at Phoenix that'll probably help them at Homestead. So they're going in there just wanting to get the win. I mean, he's literally just chasing a win. And then the Cup Series will run the Blue Green Vacations 500, a 130. That's the new name for it? Yes. Huh. Interesting. Cool. That, it's on Sunday at 130 yeah. on NBC. And it's going to be interesting with where all the points sit. Again, it's like Kansas. When you go back to the round of, of 12 cutoff, with this round of eight cutoff here, no one's really right there on points, but everyone's close enough. They, Other than Chase Elliott, they're not in a must-win situation. The question is, do one of those drivers win and get in, or is it a driver already in the top four that picks up the win? I really wanted to pick Chase Elliott because he's been fast at Phoenix. He just hasn't been able to put a whole race together. Um, you go back last year, he probably wins if he doesn't wreck. Two years ago, if a caution doesn't come out late, he wins and is in the championship four. And the playoffs he's had, which have just been absolutely weird, it would be awesome to see him get in. But I'm going to say his bad luck continues. And give me the guy that is the second best at Phoenix but isn't guaranteed in. I'm going to say Kyle Busch secures his spot in the championship four and wins the, the Phoenix cutoff race for the second year in a row. That's an interesting way to go. Kyle Busch hasn't shown speed to win a race in a while. But he's been right there he's at been Phoenix there. or at Texas and in Kansas he showed speed. I'm going with a driver that needs to win this race to not throw away his best chance to win a championship, and that's Denny Hamlin. And Hamlin's, I said, you know, with Elliott too, if Denny Hamlin wins at Phoenix, I think he's your champion. And Denny Hamlin's not in a position where he has to win, but he feels he's in that position, and we've seen – Two different Denny Hamlins under pressure. When he puts it on himself, he normally does really well. When others put it on him, he kind of struggles. Now he's put the pressure on himself because of the performance from Texas. I think Hamlin wins at Phoenix. If you're a guy like Joey Logano right now, if you don't win, you're rooting for Kyle Busch or Martin Truex Jr. Or Kevin Harvick. Or Kevin Harvick or any non-playoff guy. I don't know why neither of us didn't. like We we, we left Kevin Kevin Harvick. Harvick on the board. Yeah. He's going to be gonna, fast. It's going to come back to haunt us, but oh well. Unfortunately, I think we have some more to talk about, but we're out of time. We'll save that for next week. Again, our two-hour championship special, the second annual two-hour championship special, 2-4, to four, next Monday here on X106. For Trevor Mater, I'm Jacob Blair. Bye. This has been The Left Turn on X106.